Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I wonder how many of you listen to the CBC's The Current. A few of you kind of listen to that? Yeah, a few of you are out there. Um, this week, earlier this week, uh, Matt Galloway interviewed uh, Sarah Poli, um, the Canadian filmmaker, um, a- a- about a new book of essays she's written called Run Toward the Danger. Now, now on that interview, she described a life-changing intervention prescribed by Dr. Michael Collins. Um, while she was receiving treatment at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. Now, Sarah was injured six years ago uh, when a large fire extinguisher, uh, which hung on a wall, fell on her head as she was bending over a lost and found box at at, a Toronto community center. Um, Now, now, the the trauma that she suffered meant that she couldn't cope with, with noise and light. So, so she, what she did was she, she took to avoiding excessive sensory stimulation. She, she, would, she said that she, she would retire, retreat into kind of a darkened room and, and just stay there. Well, well, Dr. Collins prescribed a different approach. He, he, he said to Sarah, you need to keep doing what's difficult for you. And so she told Matt, well, whatever was triggering my symptoms, I had to do more of. Whatever I was avoiding, my brain was getting weaker at dealing with. And so she told Matt, told told us, the listeners, that she would force herself to go into a grocery store even when the store lights made her feel like her head was going to explode. And slowly over time, praise God, it looks as though she staged a remarkable recovery. Now, Lent's not a time of falling fire extinguishers. Not an accident I'd wish on anyone. At the same time, the Church of New Wisdom has offered this season as a time of reflection and preparation. It's a period during which the Church encourages us, with God's help, to face what we too may be avoiding. The season of Lent is a season of growth. It's a season of grace. As we invite God's Holy Spirit to draw us closer to God, closer to each other, closer to our true selves, so that we may better embrace this wonderful fullness of life that God holds out to us all. Lee Hallstuck, he describes the season of Lent as an ellipse. You, you know what an ellipse is, huh? Like, like a, a squashed circle. Yeah. So we focus on a couple of things during Lent at either end of this ellipse. Last Wednesday, we, we got our noses, well, foreheads actually, 
rubbed in the human condition. The stark reality of being broken people born into a broken world. Bible has this three-letter word for that. It's called sin. We face our frailty. We face our flawedness. We face our failure, which is hardwired into us and which extends throughout all of creation. And as if that's not enough, we also get our noses or our foreheads rubbed in this other inconvenient truth of the human condition that we're mortal, that we're finite, that no one gets out of here alive. We face our death. Hardly any wonder then that people aren't beating down the doors on Ash Wednesday especially in a society which seems to go to such extraordinary lengths to avoid dealing with death. So all that's at one end of the ellipse of Lent. Praise God, that's not all that Lent is about. Otherwise, I imagine most of us would be taking a six-week bye. At the other end of the ellipse, the flattened circle, we give just as much attention to these amazing possibilities extended to us in Jesus Christ and what these possibilities might mean for our lives. We consider this incredible, transforming power of God which raised his own son from the dead and which is now unleashed, unleashed in our lives and unleashed in and through all of God's good creation. So that's the other end of the ellipse during Lent. At the start of our Lenten journey on Ash Wednesday, we focus on our brokenness. And as the 40 days of Lent draw to a close, we're more attuned to the wonder of God's healing and redeeming work in our lives. So we begin by recognizing our need for penitence, that we've turned our back on God and that we are at odds with ourselves and with others and with the world. And then we shift to considering the wonders that come from returning to God and living into this extraordinary newness of life that God holds out to us all. So this season of Lent is as an ellipse with two foci. Now, as we travel this elliptic journey of Lent together, there's this underlying question that the Gospels put to us week by week. Each of the Gospel readings during the season of Lent help us to unpack this question a bit more. And the question? Well, it goes something like this. Why is Jesus going to get crucified in 40 days? How is it that he 
fronts up in Jerusalem and the powers that be crush him. What is it about his preaching and his actions that not only shakes up people's lives, but they provoke such anger? So, with that question in mind, we turn to this morning's gospel. You may recall in Luke's gospel that Jesus has just been baptised at the hands of his cousin John in the muddy waters of the Jordan, filled with the Holy Spirit. As we are at our baptism, the same Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness. Now, it's in the wilderness that the devil comes to him. We often talk about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Devil's not so much tempting Jesus in the sense of, oh, if I can just get Jesus to sin, who's without sin, then that's going to ruin everything for him. No, the devil is testing Jesus. Something along the lines of, you, you at your baptism, you've just heard from God that you are God's son, chosen and marked by his love, pride of his life. Now what are you going to do with that? How are you going to live out that identity? And note that the devil's not saying to Jesus, if you are God's son. Not saying that. No, he begins his testing with, since you are God's son. Devil knows perfectly well who Jesus is. So surely, it's God's son. If you're hungry, God would want you to feed yourself. Turn this rock into a loaf. And then surely, as, as God's son, what God has entrusted to you isn't enough. How about all these kingdoms of the world I can show you? And finally, as God's son, surely you can get God to rescue you when you fling yourself off this parapet. So the devil's testing Jesus. Testing Jesus by provoking the question, what vision of being God's son, are you going to embrace? He suggested Jesus a different version of what it means to be God's only beloved son, an alternate understanding to the rights and responsibilities that come with the job description. And of course, Jesus counters, doesn't he? He counters each of the challenges with his vision, God's vision of who the Son of God is, what he's come to do, and how he's going to exercise his authority. It's not just about getting his own needs met. It's about obeying. It's not about ruling. It's about serving. It's not about showmanship. It's about simple trust 
in the cut and thrust of everyday life. Testing. Lent is the season in the church year when God calls us to reflect on the ways in which we are being tested. To consider how we embrace the vision of what it means to be a beloved son, a beloved daughter of the Most High God. Bread and power and safety. Those were the angles that the devil was working on Jesus. Angles to undermine his sense of who he was and what he'd been called to do. What about you and me? Is it youth, beauty, productivity? Is it status, recognition, wealth? Is it competence, confidence, independence? You probably know better for yourselves than anyone else. Angles that the media tries to work, angles that politicians try to work, angles that society itself tries to work to undermine our relationship with God and the sense of identity that we receive through that relationship. Angles that can shift our allegiance, our confidence, our trust away from God and towards something or someone else. Which and who by their very nature will always come up short. So as I conclude, to return to where I began. I, I, I don't want to minimize in any way Sarah Poli's brain trauma when she was struck by that falling fire extinguisher. At the same time, many of us here this morning are feeling traumatized. Traumatized by significant changes in our lifestyles through this relentless pandemic. Traumatized through footage of heart-rending carnage in Ukraine. Traumatized through reports of irreversible damage being wrought on our precious planet. The noise and light of our lives can simply seem too much. So perhaps you, like me, find yourself wanting to retreat into a darkened room and just not come out. Lengths of time when God helps us face what we really might not want to face. When God empowers us to turn and hope toward and not away from the reality of life, as harsh as that reality might seem at times. When God calls us as Jesus was called 
to reclaim whose we are. And in so doing, to embrace that small but important role in responding to the considerable challenges facing us as a community, as a nation, and now as a global family. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.